Okay, so we are back in the studio uh, this afternoon, and I am uh, really excited. Tony and I have been, we, <laughs> we probably have about three podcasts right now with all the chatting we've been doing prior to uh, recording, but I'm super excited to um, introduce you all to Tony McGrath is in the studio with me today. Good to be here. Yeah, it's so awesome to have you, Tony. Um, And so just a little bit about Tony. Uh, He's a former soldier. He's an elite athlete. Tony came to Canada as a new immigrant after a career as a senior executive in banking, insurance, and retail in the UK and Europe. Uh, After heading up a number of startup enterprises, he led the investment group and management team to launch a new Canadian insurance company. Tony is a partner in a consulting practice which focused on leadership, mentoring, strategy, and execution planning and business turnaround. He facilitates workshop seminars and is a frequent speaker at conferences in North America and the UK. He has been sought after He has been a sought-after interim CEO in challenging business situations and is currently CEO at Calgary's The Grand Theatre. He sits on a number of advisory boards for startup companies and entrepreneur incubators in Canada, sat on the Alberta Board of Directors at the Certified Management Consultants. He volunteers as a business mentor for Futurepreneur Canada Haskane Business School and the Hunter Center for Entrepreneurship. He has a particular interest in social enterprise business. Wow. Hey, I I sound pretty good there. Oh, I know it's always it's yeah. always kind of um, crazy to hear your bio read out, hey? Like yeah. it's you know. Somebody asked me, like, have I enjoyed my career? And I actually don't think I've really had a career. It's been like a patchwork of uh, yeah. Of, of opportunities that have presented themselves to me. So. Wow, I like that. Yeah. I, I actually, I, I think there's something really special about that. That's kind of the way of the world now too, you know? A lot yeah. of times people don't just start one thing, you know, out of high school, college, and then they're no. in that job for forever anymore. I, I would be at an age now where you're supposed to be slowing down. Yeah, uh, and in the last two years, uh, I entered the world of theatre, and I've never run a theatre, and I've never been in the arts. And I started work for Kelly Straight at Mode Models. I became a fashion model in my sixties. So, like, <laughs> when when you're open to opportunity, you know, my advice to young people is always like, really, just follow your purpose a little, even yeah, if it absolutely. looks like a, a disaster. And um, so, I, like, I'm I'm not a big proponent of of, of what uh, one track careers and I don't see it all that often mm-hmm. uh, but I remember listening to Dr. Dre on a podcast and he was of, of the Beats headphones and mm-hmm. and I, I was so envious of him because all he's ever cared about was music mm-hmm. and I've never had that single track passion in my life mm-hmm. no, never had that but you don't see it all that often but all he ever cared about from a, from a child was music making music and producing music and being around music and listening to music. Dr. Dre, that's like the rapper, right? Yeah. Like from the movie, like yeah. the... Yeah, yeah. So like, just an amazing uh, um, podcast to listen to around, wow. you know, that, that single-minded passion in life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, that was interesting. I, I haven't had that. Yeah. You know, I, I, I didn't sit at school thinking I want to be a banker. Yeah, yeah. Ever. Isn't that funny? Hey, yeah, things things change. Yeah, so much. Mm-hmm. I um, so we're gonna take a little bit of a different uh, route, and mm-hmm. I know that when you and I were, you know, pre-recording uh, here, we were talking, and you were saying like you do, you've done a lot of podcasts, mm-hmm. you know, business and career and mm-hmm. just all of that kind of stuff, and yep. uh, we're gonna talk about the other side mm-hmm. you know and so just the, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty open about that in my life. yeah when when asked yes yes yeah. so I'm asking yeah. <laughs> and so yeah I want to I I want to dive into the addiction recovery mm-hmm. piece with you and sure. just like really the core the heart and soul of who you Tony can ask is. anything you want. Okay, so when when did it start for you for your addiction? When when did you start drinking? Uh, Thirteen. Wow. <laughs> yeah, okay. I I went to a wedding with my Irish family, uh, 
uh, and started drinking from the half empty glasses on the table uh, and I loved it did you know it was alcohol when you were doing it yeah my my dad had always had booze around the house okay I'd, I'd seen the impact of it and it was pretty cool thing to do like the guys used to all go to the the pub and or get drunk at parties so it just it looked like a, and I wanted I was 13 I wanted to be cool mm-hmm. so I I thought I'd try it and uh, by the second or third drink I was eight foot tall and bulletproof and <laughs> I, I loved it I I was sick as a dog Mm-hmm. Um, like got, the very first time out kind yeah of thing? oh okay. yeah I was puking uh, and retching and my mom was furious and my dad was furious and my mom was furious at my dad and my mom was furious at my uncle because she thought he'd given it to me but I I was sick but I I, I love the taste I love the effect I didn't like the hangover mm-hmm. uh, but I didn't really know what a hangover was I just mm-hmm. didn't feel very well so yeah, I, I I got I got engaged to alcohol that day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, yeah I, I could totally relate to that. Yeah, so I I, I loved everything it did for me, and mm-hmm. <clears throat> and that that began a, a, a relationship with uh, alcohol that lasted uh, until I was forty two. Okay, so yeah. I want to just jump back. So you say I love everything that it did for mm. me. So can you can you explain to me what some of the things were that it did for you? Yeah, I, when, when the alcohol touched my lips, yeah, it it, it it seemed to create a reaction in my body of 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 almost euphoria, like I'd become a man. When it hit mm. my stomach, it was this warm glow inside of me, and as it started to take effect, I could feel my personality changing. You know, I, I got braver. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I was wanting to sit with the adults and talk. Mm-hmm. So I, it seemed to um, have a, a, an effect on my whole body and my mind at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's, it's difficult to describe it other than it's, it, it feels like you're, uh, you're stepping into a new world as soon as I, I, mm-hmm. I, I took alcohol. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it was quite a while again before I got the opportunity to drink. But my dad was a home brewer. So like the booze was so accessible in the yeah. house, wine and beer, and he did slow gin. And, oh, wow. Yeah, so he was a big drinker. So cigarettes uh, and booze were easy for me to steal. Yeah. Like, um, so I, I, it became a, a secret source of pleasure for me in my, t- in my early teens. Mm-hmm. Um, but we didn't have picture ID in the UK back then. Mm-hmm. So at, at 15, I could start getting into a pub pretty easily. And so what what decade was this, just to give our So listeners? I would have been in the 60s. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I think my first drink would have been in um, 1969. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So the world was pretty free and easy. Yes. A- yeah. Awareness of addiction was almost zero totally yeah the awareness of alcoholism was even even lower on the scale yeah um so the the the, and i i was born in ireland and raised in in england and we were an irish immigrant family and booze was a significant part of everything we did everything so it's like culture it was a yeah so every 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 my dad came home from work and had a beer or a whiskey and but my mom wasn't much of a drinker mm-hmm. at all. She she couldn't tolerate booze whatsoever. She'd get drunk on one. Mm-hmm. But all my uncles on both sides of my families, or most of my cousins, <coughs> my father in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, How was your home life, like when it came to alcohol? and My, my, my dad and mom did the very best they could. Mom mm-hmm. was a little Dublin woman. She's a real fighter. She was maybe smaller than you even. <laughs> um, so she she... Uh, she was a real scrapper, like a hard-working, yeah. uh, tough little woman, and and they're still alive now. Wow. Um, my my dad's from Belfast in the north, so he was he was quietly spoken, never demonstrated emotion, wow. never showed emotion or love, except to my maybe my sister because of course she was the the girl of the family. Um, do you, do you think very that hard had on a, me? Yeah. Did did that have an impact on you, Tony? Like do you? Um, 
No, because I didn't know any different. Yeah. <laughs> but the men on my mum's side of the family were very loving males on my dad's side of the okay. family. The history of Northern Ireland is like, it's, it's quite traumatic. So, you know, my dad had no relationship with his father, who mm -hmm. was a he was a beautiful man, my dad's father. Mm. Um, so um, maybe I resented my dad a lot till I got sober. So what was that, where'd that come from? Um, well, I, I think he, he, he was never interested in me, mm -hmm. um, never interested in sport that I did or school. Um, I, I don't remember uh, any praise coming from him ever. Mm -hmm. um, so I think you sit with a quiet resentment about that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Like I, my son's a soldier and he tells me he loves me in front of other other soldiers and we hug, but my dad and I weren't like that. Mm -hmm. So I was, I was almost 60 before I hugged my father. What? Yeah, my dad's in my 80s, yeah. Are you serious? Yeah, we, we, he'd never hugged me. Like, never. So oh my, that's, that's heartbreaking. Um, w when you're a teenager, you don't know that's wrong. Yeah. I, and I, 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 we also grew up in England, and the English yeah. are very stiff upper lip. Okay. Don't yeah, show emotion. Yeah. And the, the people from the north of Ireland were like that too. So I, I didn't really ever know any different yeah, yeah. but I, I i hated him <laughs> yeah yeah i i ha i hated uh my 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 mum always had a lot of accidents around the house okay uh, yeah bumps and bruises and you know cut lips okay. and you you know what that means but yeah. you, you know as a teenager you're not quite sure yeah because i never saw him do anything but um, but I, I, I actually detested my dad until later in life. We get on fine now. I talk to him every week. Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. My mum's got dementia and he's looking after her. So, but they're 86 now. But um, he, he was hard on me, but that wasn't unusual in mm -hmm. our culture. Like mm -hmm. I, I wouldn't say I was victimized. Lots of kids were like that. Mm -hmm, so. mm -hmm. A good dad, a, an open emotional dad would be quite rare then. Mm -hmm. Yes, and I and I know some of this is like I totally get what you're saying, yeah. like um, because I know some of this is just that um, age and mm -hmm. stage of life, like that. Yeah, that was a lot of just those decades, right? Yeah, like, I really admire yeah. millennial dads, like they're they're remarkable fathers. Yeah, they're so involved. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, my dad didn't come to anything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and I I I I, I did judo uh, pretty high level and I, I remember I won the British championship and uh, my dad actually came to that which was very unusual and and he didn't congratulate me afterwards he said you could have done a lot better there oh. you know so that was <laughs> like he felt I managed the fight uh, not very well but but that was my dad and I'm like yeah, yeah whatever I, so I, I wasn't close to my dad and I didn't need him well I didn't think I did anyway. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, Has so. that changed for you now? Um, my dad needs me now. Yeah. So yeah. I, I, I try and be there for him. And I've been back to visit most years recently because mm -hmm. they're getting a little older. So um, we've had the chance to talk a lot. Mm -hmm. what, it, what is interesting, my dad was an alcoholic too, never admitted it. Yeah. So yeah. he came to visit me when I was three years sober, maybe even two years sober. And I lived in White Rock and we were walking on the beach. Mm -hmm. And he started to ask me, why did I quit and what wow. was going on? And, you know, I explained to him the damage it was causing in my life and that my off switch didn't work very well. So, yeah. you know, when I put beer in, I'm never entirely sure what it's going to do, whether I'll have one or 21. Mm -hmm. My dad has never had a drink since that day. You're kidding. No, me. he's never had a drink since. He quit drinking uh, cold turkey and he's never had a drink since. And since he's quit drinking and I've been sober, our relationship has improved. So go figure. Oh, but he's wow. ne he's never had a drink oh, since. And that's we've like, never that's discussed incredible. it. Yeah. So he he doesn't understand why I still go to AA. Yeah. Doesn't understand that. He's, yeah. He thinks yeah. it's because I'm still at risk of drinking. Okay. Um, <laughs> but but he yeah he 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 went back to the house that day and he's never had a drink since. Never said anything. Never oh, said I'm going to quit. He just, he, he's never had a drink since. The power of our stories, hey? I think so, yeah. Yeah, like just sharing that. Yeah. which I, And I'd only just remembered that, you know. Wow. <laughs> that's actually so incredible. Like, that's yeah. a miracle. That's so we were like an hour on the beach together. Yeah. And we, di we didn't talk. 
for years, decades, we'd yeah. never talked like that. And we went for a walk together, which was very unusual. And he wanted to know why I'd quit. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Wow, Tony, what a gift. Hey? Yeah, I, something happened to him that day. Yes, that absolutely. Absolutely. And it's improved his life. Totally. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's that's beautiful. Yeah. I um Okay, so I want to jump back. So you 13 mm-hmm. is when it the magic happened. <laughs> yeah. <you. laughs> yeah. And uh and then so just take us take us where where it went from there. So you say from there to you were like 40 what? 42 I think I got yeah, sober. Yeah. So take us take yeah, us Yeah, I that. I uh I I I was actually pretty smart at high school but mm-hmm. I, I i i think uh e- even at high school it became apparent that alcohol was like a ball and chain around my legs i was more interested in parties and girls and the bar and nightclubs and traveling than i was at school so i scraped high school where mm-hmm. i should have really the teachers, my reports always said could do better if he applied himself <laughs> and i didn't um and I was very active in sport, mm-hmm. in anything, any kind of sport I loved. But judo I'd done for a long time. It mm-hmm. was my thing. Mm-hmm. A neighbor introduced it to me. And I love to play football, soccer, as North Americans call it. Um, so I, I, I spent a lot of time on school trips to Paris and Germany wow. and exchanges. I traveled a lot with judo. I, I, I moved up the junior ranks to British champion and then I became a senior and I got to play semi-pro soccer, which frankly is no great shakes. It's basically I get expenses and beer. Okay. Um, <laughs> so like my interest in, in, um, in girls and booze overrode everything, like okay. everything. So I love nightclubs. I loved it. I love walking home at three o'clock in the morning with no money in my pocket. I loved everything to do with it. I used to go to Manchester and London and Birmingham where, where I grew up to clubs and I, I had a fantastic circle of friends and some of them are in my life still today. Wow. Um, in fact, one, uh, one, a girl I dated at high school, we reconnected a couple of years ago and uh, she, she's living in Florida now. So we got to talk about mm-hmm. those days and, and I wanted to say sorry for some of my behaviors back there. And she said, well, why would you say sorry? We were all doing it, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and um, I, it, it was exciting and bright lights. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I wasn't afraid of anything. Mm-hmm. But it, it, on the flip side, um, it, 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 it was a real um, hold back in terms of, of education. I don't regret that whatsoever. Mm-hmm. I'm not a huge exponent of having to perform at high levels with education. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I, I think once you've left school or university, nobody ever gives a shit about your grades again. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it's what kind of person emerges from the education, not what the certificate says. Yeah, that's good. Tony. So, like, I think education, if it's part of of, of life, yeah, it's a, it's a great thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, 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 I think it really started to take a grip on me in my early 20s. And I accidentally ended up in banking and finance. And I accelerated through the ranks of management really quickly. Mm-hmm. And, and like a lot of addicts or alcoholics, I, I'm, I'm very high on the energy, mm-hmm. get stuff done. Um, I, I got a very gregarious, friendly personality. I, it lent itself to leading teams. Totally. Um, I, I, I had an innate ability to understand a business very quickly, and I don't know where that came from. <laughs> I just I, I can be in a couple of weeks and, and really understand it. So mm-hmm. I was very blessed mm-hmm. um, with some natural ability in those areas, and I, I can't say that I earned those abilities, but they, they came to me very easily. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I got I, I got married for the first time in my early twenties to a young nurse and. So I, how old would you have been? Yeah, in my early 20s. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we didn't have any children. And then, you know, uh, that, that didn't work out. And but I, I, never, uh, I never properly matured while I was in the grip of alcohol. I think mm-hmm. there was always this, um, this wild side of me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I remember I got described as two things in banking by, by senior executives. One was I was a hippie in a suit, 
And another one was that I was a Rastafarian in a suit because I, I, I love Jamaican culture. I grew up around it. I love reggae uh, and ska music. And so I always had this kind of free spirit in me, but I, I spent a lot of time squashing it into a business suit wow, and squashing yeah. it into a business role. And I think I don't regret any of that. But if I had my time again, I think like I, I wanted to be... F- to be free and wild and creative. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just couldn't find the outlet for that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, alcohol lends itself to you wanting security. You want, you know, mm-hmm. you want certainty, mm-hmm. a, and it doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. Certainty is just—it's smoke. Mm-hmm. Like none of us have any certainty. It, totally, it, it's actually a myth. Yes, and yet we try and find a career with certainty mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and pensions and moving up the ladder with certainty and houses and cars and so that that was very much part of my life and I traveled first class and I I traveled around the world and um, very blessed Mm -hmm. extremely blessed I I never worried about money I always had I'd I'd learned to make money when I was in my early teens through my mom I'd never worried about money I Mm -hmm. I know I can make money Mm -hmm. um, so, but, but alcohol um, changed its relationship with me. As I got more money, I, I started to get quite um, socially aware of the drinks I should be having. <laughs> so, you know, more higher class drinks in better bars. But I would always end the night in some shithole. <laughs> like, always. So I would always revert back. Yeah. back to my nature again as an alcoholic i yeah. would I, the evening would go downhill pretty quickly mm-hmm. um so i i but i surrounded myself with people like that mm-hmm. in my teams and the managers that work for me were, were often very similar mm-hmm. it's funny <coughs> how we do that hey yeah we all we all kind of tend yeah. to gravitate towards each other yeah so i would wake up in bus shelters and cars and i got my first dui i think at 19 in fact, that was my only DUI, but I was fortunate not to get lots of others. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and of, of my life, that's one thing I'm very ashamed of, that I, I drove my car with drink in me. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I, I can't explain why an alcoholic does that. It's not rational. Yeah, like, I can totally relate yeah, but to I, but that. I, but I did it, and I, I, like I'm ashamed I did that. I think yeah. it's appalling. Yes, I agree. You know, yeah. placing others at risk, but... Yeah. I still see it in our world a lot. And, Absolutely, uh, totally. I, but no rational person would do that. Tot- I, totally, I know, <laughs> yeah. I know, I know. You know, and having to calculate how many drinks you've had. Yeah. It, so can I be sober enough to get myself home? Yeah. I did that lots. Yeah, yeah. Like, or hanging around and drinking water or coffee to try and, or, or, and then trying to get up next morning, having been up mm-hmm. till three o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I worked hard and I, I, I didn't lose many days work, so... You know, to me, I wasn't an alcoholic. How mm-hmm. can I be? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, I wear an expensive suit to work. I work in banking. I've got a German sports car. You know, like, how, how can you be an alcoholic? Mm-hmm. I did not understand what that was. Mm-hmm. But I, I have no ability to predict what's going to happen when I have a drink. Mm-hmm. None. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it, it predicts, not me. Yes. So, you know, my wife and a lot of my friends don't have the same problem. Mm-hmm. So they, they, they have a couple of glasses of wine and their body says, I think you had enough. Mm-hmm. Mine does the opposite. Mm-hmm. Like it, it the switches the wrong way around. So totally. it's like, I need more. Yeah, me And too. more, like there is no, there is never enough. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I think the, the off switch is a good description of what I, it's wired the wrong way around in my body. Mm-hmm. So I, I've never been able to, to resist. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So I, did, I didn't have a tough upbringing, uh, not in my opinion. It wasn't abusive. It wasn't unusual. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mum was amazing. Like mm-hmm. we, we, we had a good home life, very Irish Catholic. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I, I, I wouldn't say that I came from a my, – my background was solid. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't have uh, poor teenage years. I wasn't living on the street. Yeah. Like I had great jobs. I had lots of money like uh, beautiful women in my life, like there was, and travel, there was, you, w- you wouldn't look at that and say, oh my God, what a train wreck. Yeah, yeah. But I was a train wreck inside. Yes, yeah. 
Yeah, I really was. When when did that start for you? The train wreck, like when you when you even say that yeah. word, where where does your head go? Probably about seventeen. <clears throat> okay. Yeah. Wow. So totally. early early yes. on. So I woke up next morning and I'd spent my whole wage packet the night before. I could like not like your whole paycheck. You yeah. Mean? Okay. Couldn't remember where I'd been, mm-hmm. who I'd been with, like how I got home, where I was, even. So blackout drinking. Yeah, and I had this awful cannonball in my stomach of impending doom i i got that in the morning and it wasn't until way later in life that i realized i'd drunk a bucket full of a depressant the night before <laughs> like alcohol is classified as a depressant as a drug yeah. and he was awful like he mm-hmm. was awful that never ever left me ever that feeling next morning of guilt and remorse and shame and that feeling of impending doom never, ever left me. Never got better. And I still had it in the early days of sobriety for a little while, even when I didn't drink. So that, 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 it's an it's a awful feeling. It is like the, the, you don't want to answer the phone, but you dare not answer, you dare not not answer the phone. Mm-hmm. You know, I've got no money. Just where was I? What did I do? Trying to find out from your friends what happened mm-hmm. without, mm-hmm. without asking, mm-hmm. um, and, and and then people laughing at you afterwards. Oh my God, that was a rip roaring night. You should have seen yourself. And mm-hmm. So the the shame and guilt mm-hmm. was just was brutal, and um, I didn't know what it was, mm-hmm. but I, that never left me. So I lived with that for twenty three, twenty five years. I think that's so just that um, statement right there. Mm-hmm. I think there's so it's so huge. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's and there's there's so much to that because as soon as you said that, like I know even just for me, I can totally relate yeah. to that. And and then just even the fact of at 17 you're feeling that feeling of mm. just. I just, just felt a twinge just now. Wow. <laughs> just, just as we're talking. Yeah. I thought, oh, I know. Like yeah. I, and I could I see it in your face. To- too. Why? Cause I'm, it takes me back. Yeah. Like I remember that feeling, Yeah. you know, like, and everything, what you're saying, yeah. try, you know, and, but, it, but, but what is so crazy about, alcoholism and and being an alcoholic and all of this stuff is that you just you carried on yep you know what i mean like you it's like you pick up your ball and chain yeah and you carried it around for 20 some years yeah like and uh, alcoholics can quite often be very high achievers yeah and yet you manage that despite that I yeah, I know that's I, I don't know how that even yeah, happened. Like I, I, yeah. I led a large team despite that. Yeah. I'd get up at, at seven for work, having been out drinking till maybe three, and and go to work, just fine. And I think that feeling gets worse as you get older. Absolutely. Because you start to wake up in places you shouldn't be. Yeah, totally. With people you shouldn't be yeah. with, like the things like you are in the wrong place part of town mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. unprotected sex yeah. all of those yeah. things yeah. that start to happen oh my so gosh. it just is that yeah. exacerbates all of the so the the you get the feeling of impending doom starts to get really real yeah. and really raw yeah totally. I, I, I i and i can't describe the feeling any more than like that cannibal it's yes. awful it is awful yeah. it is awful. i think i think there's so many people out there and hopefully that even listening to this podcast and stuff that can relate to that and even just what you're saying, what you've shared about, <clears throat> you know, like you were like the man about town kind oh, yeah. of thing. You were successful. You were yeah. professional. You, you know, charismatic. You're, you know, you're, you're popular. You're like, you're making it happen. Like yeah. by all. But dying inside. By dying inside. Yeah. You know what I mean? By, but by all intents and purposes, what it looks like from the outside is like, you freaking have it made. Yeah. Like I, I want to be Tony when I grow up. Like, yeah. I, and I, I had everything you could ever, ever want, but none of it was enough. Yeah. No stuff is ever enough. Yeah. No, no yeah. car was ever enough. No woman was ever enough. Yeah. Like no house, no job. Mm-hmm. Like I, and, and, and alcoholism starts to really drive you insane at that Absolutely point. Absolutely it does. You know, and, and 
that when you add the shame to that, mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. And, it, and I know it's called imposter syndrome now, but you start to add that in, like yeah. I like if if they knew, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and that then you start to live constantly with that in your stomach, mm-hmm. um, and then the the physical stuff starts to kick in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like you by mid afternoon, you start to need a drink. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, uh, so take us there. Let's jump yeah. Back in there. So you, you, I, I would get to work early mm-hmm. right, because that's what us executives do. You get mm-hmm. in early <laughs> and have a workout, not really, but. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> But, you know, by lunchtime, it's st- you're starting to emerge from the hangover. And I was hungover for two decades, pretty much every morning. And you learn to live with it. You don't notice it anymore. You don't even know you're hungover. Oh, like, like, so, you, you know, the, the physical impact of it when you start to hit your mid-30s and late-30s, like you get you're dehydrated Mm -hmm. like your your eyes are bloodshot totally the life disappears from your skin it starts to get dry and panda eyes Mm -hmm. and dandruff and you know like sometimes you don't have time to shower properly (laughs) and you're shaving driving to work and you start you start to feel aches and pains and like your stomach problems and then in the afternoon, you you have to eat. So I, I ate badly. Mm-hmm. So you eat shit food, it makes you feel worse. And mm-hmm. by four o'clock, my body's starting to crave a drink. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I've got to find a way getting out to work early and find somebody to drink with. Because alcoholics drink on their own in a bar. Like, and I'm not an alcoholic. I've got to find some guys to go drink with us, some girls. Mm-hmm. And then the evening would run away again. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then the whole cycle would start all over. Um, so, but, but the one thing that kept me drinking through the whole of that period was denial. Mm-hmm. Like it, it is the primary symptom of addiction and mm-hmm. alcoholism. That I, how can I be? Mm-hmm. Like an alcoholic is a, a bum who's drinking alcohol under a bridge mm-hmm. out of a brown paper bag. Mm-hmm. I know those guys. I'm not one of those. Mm-hmm. I'm not a, not a drug addict. I'm definitely not a drug addict. Mm-hmm. Although I am. My drug of choice is alcohol. Yeah, totally. So drug addicts, heroin addicts, cocaine addicts, they disgusted me. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not that person. I'm not mm-hmm. in the gutter like them. So, you know, I, I, the denial that I had a problem and the things that were happening in my life were related to alcohol was fierce. Mm-hmm. Like just there was no way it's black and white and you know that feeling mm-hmm. too i do I so do. um you know wh- when you add the the physical deterioration the um the the, the addictive drive to ha- your body starts to get chemically dependent on it mm-hmm. and, and I, I i if i understand this correctly the science is that my body started to remove the sugar from the beer mm-hmm. and alcohol as food yeah so like i'm i'm starting to lose weight yeah. And you get fat with beer and then yes. yeah and then yeah. you start to lose weight. So I I look awful at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and what age would this be? That would be late 30s. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And I remember I had an I had a, uh, went for a health check for an executive medical plan. And I I I cut the amount of alcohol on the form by a third. And probably more than a third. Mm-hmm. So I lied. And he said, you're drinking way too much for a man of your age. And I was and lying. And you had cut it. Yeah. And oh. I was like, holy shit. So was that, was, was that any kind of a wake-up call for no. you at that point? Yeah. No. Yeah, I didn't. No, I was like, I can, whatever. I, yeah, I know, <laughs> no, I know, I know. Not at all. I, I had lots of, you know, people in my life tell me I, I was drinking too much. Mm-hmm. But I just went and surrounded myself with people who drank like me. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So then you're not abnormal. Exactly. You don't stand out yeah. at all. And, yeah, yeah. Um, but like th- just hundreds of incidents over the years where I could have been killed. I could have killed somebody else. I could yeah. I just... So what, 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 what finally did it? What, what, what finally... My second wife, okay. I, I think... Um, we were living in Canada at this mm-hmm. point. I'd come to Canada on a three-year executive exchange with a company I worked for. Um, so it was Valentine's Day, 1998. We'd mm-hmm. been in Canada a couple of years at this point. Um, and, and it wasn't a better or worse drunk. We didn't have a fight or anything. Mm-hmm. We, we rarely ever did. I went to a local bar in White Rock called the Sandpiper. 
got home about 12 30 drunk on, on valentine's day on valentine's day like yeah. by yourself yeah you're at, okay yeah <laughs> clearly not the <laughs> the appropriate yeah um i think i left the car running on the drive i can't really remember but i the pub was just around the corner i don't know even why i drove home mm-hmm. um and she, i got up next morning she said you're out here we're done like I can't, I can't do this mm-hmm. anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I went and found a hotel room, um, and I thought, like, how do I get out of this one? Very, uh, uh, like, it's not to do with the booze in my mm-hmm. head. She's just mm-hmm. been unreasonable, um, and dramatic, and all of those things. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, I had this brainwave while I was sitting at work because I went to work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'd just been kicked out of my house. I'm drunk from the night before, still drunk. Yeah, I yeah. go to work and I thought, I'm going to call AA and I'm going to go there for a couple of weeks and I'll show to her what she needs to hear. That was my thinking. Like Maybe I can drink less for a mm-hmm. while, mm-hmm. not quit. Mm-hmm. The, and um, I called AA and I spoke to a, a Mexican guy from Vancouver I, I don't think we either, either of us understood each other. And he, <laughs> so, <laughs> so he he drove all the way out from Vancouver and took me to a meeting Seriously? in Surrey that night. Yeah, wow. I think it was called the Strawberry Hill Men's Group. Okay. And there was about a hundred bikers there, and nice. I, I turn up in a BMW in a suit. Yeah. And I'm going, this, I don't belong here, man. Look at these; yeah. they're all prison dudes, and yeah, and um. And so then, self-righteous, hey? Oh, in terrible, our, yeah. 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 Like, I stink <laughs> at this point. <laughs> like, I haven't even been back to my room. And um, so he came out the following day again and took me to another meeting. Mm-hmm. And I, I heard my story that night. And mm. I was like, oh, a guy called Frank from Liverpool in England who became my sponsor wow. pretty much told my story, not in the practical details, mm-hmm. but in how he felt how the morning after felt, mm-hmm. how he lived in fear. Um, he talked about how when he got sober, he never realized he'd been hung over for all those years until he started waking up feeling well in the morning. Cool. He hadn't realized he hadn't slept properly for decades mm-hmm. until mm-hmm. he had a proper night's sleep. Mm-hmm. And I, I started listening and I heard my story and I've, I've been, I, I haven't had a drink since that day. And how long is that? 22 years. Right. right, but it was his story. It wasn't science. It wasn't somebody telling me I'm an alcoholic. I related to all of his feelings from when he was a teenager, and I. And I he talked about the destructive grip alcohol had on him, mm-hmm. and what it felt like to wake up, and the shame, and the remorse, mm-hmm. and the. Uh, and he, he talked about he reached a stage with his drinking late on where he, he was disgusted with himself as a human. Mm-hmm. And, and I'd hit that point too. Yeah, I could totally relate I to I was that. totally disgusted yeah. with who I was as a man at that mm-hmm. point. And, mm-hmm. um, so that, that's where my relationship with sobriety started. And you were how old? <coughs> 42 at that point. Okay. Yeah, I, so I'm well in my 60s now. So. Yeah, you're how old now? I'll be 64 next month. Yeah, it's yeah. awesome, Tony. Yeah, but I, I think since I've been sober, I seem to have gotten younger every year, <laughs> if that makes any sense. <laughs> totally, for sure, yeah. for sure. And drinking, I seem to get 10 years older every year. <laughs> no, but it's tr- that's yeah. actually so true. Yeah. Hey, like, yeah. 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 I mean, you, you, I mean, you, I'm not going to give your age away here, but you look oh. amazing. I mean, you, Aww, you do, you, you, you. I, you, you. I think when you're sober and happy, you yes. kind of you radiate yeah, yeah. health somehow. Yeah. Well, I'm 48. Seems how we're talking about our ages yeah. here. So, yeah. yeah. But I, 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 I agree with you. I think that too. That yeah. it, it weighs on you that I, life. I, I love looking in the eyes of people who've been sober for us a long time mm-hmm. and there is a vibrancy you you have it in your eyes and there is um almost a satisfaction about life yeah. yeah yeah you're not scared of anything anymore no 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 i and i i love that like you're you're just hitting on some really good things here i yeah. think because even just the you know as an alcoholic and being an active addiction and just carrying that ball and chain yeah right like we do for like decades right yeah depending on whose story we're sharing but mm-hmm. but then even the freedom that we end up yeah. 
experiencing. It's remarkable. It's hey, it's remarkable. But like, when you say in society you're an alcoholic, he, there is a stigma attached to that, mm-hmm. and it's only in the last five or six years I've really spoken openly about it, because when you say alcoholic, it conjures it conjures a picture up in your mind. What is that picture, Tony? Well, I think it's the the bum. You know, like the wreckage, the human flotsam of, yeah. of alcoholism when people really hit hit the, the skids, as, as people call and it. And what do you think we could say about that today? Because the stigma is, I mean, we're, we're all yeah. about the stigma here. I, I personally don't care about the stigma, but I think what the stigma does, it stops a lot of people recognizing what's wrong with them. Mm-hmm. Because you don't want to be, I, I, who the hell wants to be an alcoholic? <laughs> Who wants to be labeled with that? Mm-hmm. Like it's a horrific label. Mm-hmm. Um, so like n- nobody wants to admit they're an alcoholic. Absolutely. If we yeah. could call it something else, maybe, you know, there's a transition there. But most alcoholics are of the normal kind, in my experience. Okay, so so what the, does that ha- mean? the what housewives does that mean? and welders and business executives... Like it, it afflicts black people and Chinese people and Irish and Finnish and Russians and women and men and rich people and poor people. And so I think that there are more normal people who are afflicted with alcoholism than there are people that you would see on the street. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's I, I know a lady in AA who's been sober some time. She didn't start drinking until she was 50. She was this, she's just wow. this little lady who likes to stay at home and knit. You know, I, I have seen a judge die on the streets of East Vancouver. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. like, it, it is it is purely, it is a disease that is non-discriminatory mm-hmm. in any Absolutely. possible way. Absolutely. It'll take anybody. Yeah. It literally will take anybody. Yeah. So, I think my message over the last five years have been, there's a lot of us out there who are in, in good jobs, in marriages, mm-hmm. um, performing in life, working quite normally. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so you would never attach that label to yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But when you start to think about the the drag that alcohol has on your life and the impact it has on your relationships, and it, it, it is... Uh, it starts to get a little easier to associate yourself with it. Yes. And then to start thinking, you know, I'm done with this. I need some help. Yeah. I got lots of young friends at the moment who seem to be quitting drinking. You've got all this dry, is it dry January or whatever you call it? <clears throat> yeah, there's yeah. just a lot of different movements. It yeah. seem, there seems to be more and more. But there's lately. something behind that. Yes, if you I, feel I agree. you've got to go dry. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Like, I know. you're probably know. not drinking normally. Yes, yes. Whatever normal drinking yes, is. Yes, yeah, yeah. My wife, can. she just has a couple of glasses of wine. I have no comprehension of that whatsoever. Yeah. I don't get that at I all. I know, I don't either. We have booze in our fridge at home like it sits there for months yeah i don't understand that there was never booze in my fridge it never stayed there long enough yes yeah yeah i can totally relate to that yeah yeah (laughs) so i I think my message really is like it it afflicts an awful lot of normal people Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know and i think you know if you have feelings that you relate to from what both of us have said today yes you know just i think it's worth thinking maybe like considering getting some help if it has that kind of impact in your life. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it I doesn't totally have agree. to be AA. AA yes. is not the yeah. only route. Yeah. It's yeah. my route. Yes. But it's yeah. not the only route. Yeah, totally. You, you have a great route too. Yeah. Oh, thanks. Yeah, with, totally. the, with the Terminator yeah. Foundation. Yeah. So tell me, um, I, I want to kind of just as we're kind of getting ready to close and mm-hmm. stuff like that, tell me some of the gifts, I guess. And even some of the unexpected gifts, actually, that, that you know, quitting drinking and getting into recovery have, have given you. Oh, God, there are so many um, that you don't even realize. Because I, I, I remember I was about a year and a half sober, and I was in White Spot in White Rock with mm-hmm. my sponsor, Frank, and we were talking about my hopes for the future. And he said, mm-hmm. list them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then speak to me in five years. And he said, you will have so understated what you're capable of and what is capable of happening in your life. Um, he said, you'll be unbelievable. And that's turned out to be true. So wow. in, my f- in my first two years in AA, I lost everything. 
So most people lose it before they get to AA. Mm -hmm. But I lost my marriage, my job. I went bankrupt. I lost my house, my car, everything in a f in my first two years of sobriety. Wow. So I like here I'm sitting like, oh shit, this isn't working so. Well. <laughs> <laughs> But but as it turns out, um, from a from a spiritual point of view, I needed to lose everything to to start to find out who I really am. Yeah. Because I wasn't that house or that job, or that money or that wife. Or, I wasn't those things. Mm -hmm. I, I wasn't. I I I had to b kind of be broken to start to really realize who I was. Mm -hmm. I think. So I lost everything. Like I, I lived at, like I was out of work for a spell. I lived in a shithole of a, a motel. Mm -hmm. Like they described the furniture as retro. So it was, <laughs> but, but the smell was definitely retro. <laughs> um, so like I, I, I had a really hard go of it in early sobriety. Yeah. Um, but what what that did was t was strip everything away from me mm -hmm. unintentionally. I didn't want to do that. I know we never yeah. do, right? No. We never want to be broken. No. Right? Yeah. So I, I had I went back to doing a job I hadn't done since I, I my twenties. I was driving an eight hundred dollar car. It's a total like, uh, place of humility. Yeah. Yeah. A and uh I think I found myself again. I found a new work ethic. Yeah. I found a a dependence on a, a, on a, a, a on a higher power or universe that wasn't me. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I, I I learned that um, material things were just smoke. Yeah, that's all they were. They were just they came and went. I was equally unhappy broke as I had been rich, <laughs> equally unhappy. Yeah. and si sober. I've learned that I like I I have always had an adequate amount of money. Yeah. Like I've always been able to make an adequate amount of money. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I, I don't want a Ferrari or a big house. I, I don't really care about those things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that do, I'm, I'm not trying to p paint myself as some spiritual guru here. Mm -hmm. I didn't have a fucking choice. Like, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I really did not uh, want to go that route. Yeah. But when, when everything is stripped away, yeah. and then I became a single dad. My daughter moved in with me full time at... Um, age 11 I think she was mm -hmm. um, like I, I'm no longer in control of my own life at this point mm -hmm. like I've got to cook and clean and get her to school and go buy tampons and bras and all of that stuff so um, th that 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 grounded me like I, I needed to be a grown-up yeah and I needed to be responsible I needed to be there for another human being mm -hmm. in every conceivable way she mm -hmm. was totally reliant and then my son moved in with me. Um, so, you know, I, 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 I think um, it seems to me that the 40s-ish, early 40s is a pivotal time in most of our lives. Mm -hmm. For men, they'll go buy a Harley or get a new wife or something. For women, they very often turn to a spiritual path at that age. So they, they, they want to go find themselves or make changes in their life or their husbands left them. So they're, they're now starting to find some independence but that period of 40 to 45 seems and it was pivotal for me mm -hmm. it changed me fundamentally as a human being at that mm -hmm. point mm -hmm. sometimes worse and sometimes an awful lot better yeah you know the worst part was you get I got I developed a bit of a survivor instinct for a while and that makes you very selfish yeah. and self-centered like I got to keep my money I got to keep oh yeah grip it yes I, you know yeah I can relate yeah. to that I, yeah. I, yeah so I, I I started to get more and more interested in um, personal development uh, and in no way did I become like a yoga yogi or mm -hmm. I didn't mm -hmm. turn to religion but I started a daily practice in my life I started being very open to being a good friend and, and I was always a shitty friend. Like I, I started giving more than I than I received. I started doing things like giving my last twenty bucks to a guy who needed it. And so the law of attraction worked in my life. Mm -hmm. I'd give twenty bucks away, and then I'd make a thousand. Go figure. Yeah. So like when I let go of trying to manage my own life mm -hmm. and my own destiny, things got an awful lot better for me. Mm -hmm. That sounds counterintuitive. No, not well. Not to me. It doesn't. Yeah. Like I, I totally. It's like riding a motorbike as a passenger. You're told to lean into the curve. Yes. 
But yes. everything in your body wants to lean out. Yeah, yeah. But if you lean out, you're yeah. going to fall off. Totally. You, you want to push away from the bend. But So that's what a spiritual life was like to me. It was counterintuitive to everything I knew. Yeah. I love, I love Wayne Dyer, Dr. Wayne Dyer. I went to see him in Edmonton. And he had this great phrase that's lived with me forever. And it was, what was true in the morning of your life becomes a lie in the afternoon. And, like, and that's so true. Like oh. everything I knew wasn't real. Yeah. Everything I'd strive for wasn't real. Yeah, I can um, totally relate to so that. Yeah. I, like I, uh, during the, the 20 plus years of sobriety, like my spiritual condition has come and gone. My practice mm-hmm. has come and gone. You know, I sometimes I'm quite centered. Sometimes I'm not. Sometimes mm-hmm. I remember to meditate. Sometimes like I'm Mm-hmm. The washing machine in my head starts before I can stop it. <laughs> so I can't, I, I'm a million miles from perfection, but every day I get a teeny weeny bit better, I think. Mm-hmm. So I'm a, I've been a better husband and a better father and a better man and a better leader in work um, and a better employee. Well, I'm, no, I'm not a better employee. I'm a shitty employee. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I've, I think I've become a, a better human. Yeah. And I, I am. I value experiences more than stuff now. Yeah, so amen. I, like, I, I love that. road tripping. Yes, yes. I love little towns in the U.S. I yes. love Mexico. Um, and I'm actually present in my life a lot more. Okay, I, I, I don't like that phrase terribly. No, but, <laughs> but I, I can. That is, and yeah. that is actually probably I think one of the biggest gifts yeah. is the ability to be present. Yeah. Right, because you can, you're showing up in all of these ways. I think so. Right, I, yeah. I think so. And um, like I, I, I have opened my heart up to opportunities work-wise, and I, I've had, inc- I've had incredible jobs since I got sober. Mm-hmm. Incredible. I've had mm-hmm. some shitty ones, but like I, I, I have no fear of financial insecurity anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't have the feeling of impending doom. Mm-hmm. Like I, do, I, I don't live. I get fearful from time to time. Yeah. I'm human. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, really, it's not a big part of my life yeah. anymore. Yeah. Like, I wish I had a better spiritual practice. Yeah. Like, pe- I hear people, are, I see them on Instagram and I hear them on podcasts and I go, oh shit, I'm terrible. Like, they, they seem to meditate for an hour every morning and then they go on a run and then they do yoga for an hour and then they go to work at seven. And <laughs> like, I, I'm, I'm not that guy whatsoever. But, um, I, I, little bit by little bit, you yeah. get you get better. I think. Mm-hmm. I don't love the word God, but I do use it. Mm-hmm. God isn't the God that I grew up with. It's not, you know, mm-hmm. it's not the the Catholic God I was scared of. Right. I'm not scared, and and I don't think God's actually a dude. I think it actually might be a woman. <laughs> like I actually think it might. <laughs> Like, she's been good to me. <laughs> <laughs> and she has a sense of humor. Like, <clears throat> I totally agree. That I, I totally think God has a sense of humor. I like, I like using universe too. That's fine mm-hmm. with me. So mm-hmm. um, I, I, sobriety is remarkable. Yeah. It is remarkable. Yeah. Um, like, I, I, I actually can say wholeheartedly, I, I, I love ev- every aspect of my life. Mm-hmm. Like there's nothing that I, I don't enjoy. My health just seems to truck along nicely, and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, you gradually don't want to put crap in your body as well. Like mm-hmm. you stop, mm-hmm. you start eating a little better and mm-hmm. be more aware. So, um, yeah, I, I can I can thoroughly recommend sobriety. It's meant a better relationship with my son and daughter and my granddaughter like an exemplary relationship with my wife most of the time Mm -hmm. when I'm not being an asshole. Mm -hmm. Um, So I've got a really good friend circle Mm -hmm. that I can really call friends. They're not just, you know, hangers on, you know, I'm not, I'm not using them for a purpose. And Mm -hmm. um, so it it is a beautiful life. Yeah. It sounds like it, Tony. Yeah. 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 It's wonderful. Wow, I um You said you're going to ask me difficult questions. <laughs> <laughs> well, you just uh, this was this was really amazing. This um I feel like too and we might do this down the road, but it, I mean there's there's so much more that we could talk about too, but this was yeah. just a really um I feel like just a really solid and hopefully eye-opening 
um, look yep. at at one of the faces of addiction, right? Like what? I, I agree. Yeah, yeah, and so because I mean, some of our some of the stories they aren't all you know, down and out on the street, no. you know, no. and, and there like are that. those stories. And there are those stories. But I think a Absolutely. lot of us, when we say addiction, think the horrific stories yeah. we hear. Or, or that yeah. it has to get to that point yeah. before we can do something, and, right? And, and alcohol is the most socially acceptable of our drugs. Totally. Um, Absolutely. So it is part and parcel of our recreational mm-hmm. life, our social mm-hmm. lives, our business lives, golf yeah. and funerals and weddings. And oh, yeah. So... so it is insidious. Like there are millions of act- active alcoholics out there. I agree. And, and yeah. I think a good definition I heard one time is that that um, you do it repetitively, and that mm-hmm. could be once a day, once a week, once mm-hmm. a month, once a year, despite the consequences, with mm-hmm. periods of loss of control, and 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 I, this isn't the right word, but a, a, an obsession with it when you don't do it. So yeah. like I, we got to have enough booze for the barbecue. We have got to have enough booze for the wedding. Yeah. Um, so I, that's, I, that, tone, that's a yeah. great that describes addiction. Yes. Yes. But um, that that was exactly me. I I reached a point where I had to have it. Yeah. Yeah. And I see that all around me. Totally. With me no, too. And I don't judge in any yeah, way. I'm yeah. not judging here because yeah. alcohol is is quite beautiful when it's used in moderation. Yeah. And does have health benefits, but not for a guy like me. Yeah. Or uh, a girl like me. No. So there there are literally millions of active alcoholics out there the cost to society of, mm-hmm. of just alcohol mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and the damage it causes is is horrific mm-hmm, mm-hmm. billions of dollars in lost production mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and that's and a whole other podcast it is Tony. indeed yeah <laughs> and our government yes makes significant tax off addiction yes, like gambling yes, yes. and booze oh my like goodness that, don't so even get me started that's, that's kind of uh, promoting it for revenue and yeah but I, I, I think alcohol is beautiful. I love the wineries down in, in, in Kelowna. I'm always the designated driver, so I'm oh very popular. Gosh, you're hilarious. Uh, I, 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 but I, I, it, is a, it is a beautiful mm-hmm. uh, world, the, the I, moderated alcohol. Yes, it's lovely. Yes, yes. I just can't do it. So, yeah, yeah. I, I totally I know what yeah. you're saying. I know what you're saying. Yeah. I, um, okay, well, I, I, I think we'll. Uh, well, we're going to leave it there. You do. That was awesome. You like <laughs> you were very skilled today, and uh, oh, thanks. I, I, that was an enjoyable discussion. It was, and it's nice that we both have the same yes. kind of challenges. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah. It is always nice to have that, you know, that whole me too thing for all sorts of things, right? But yeah. when you just have that relatability and. You know, you just have that understanding because you yeah. you know you've been there. You get I think it. the more of us in sobriety that talk about yes. it, the more yes. normal people will go. Yes, actually, I feel like that. Yes, yes, yes. Or that's, I've experienced that. Yes, that's my hope. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I think I think we have to talk more. And Alcoholics so Anonymous is anonymous for very good reason. Yeah. So I don't talk about AA. That's mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. what happens there and, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. what the, that recovery program it, it works for me, but it saved my life. Yeah. And and I Mine owe too. I owe my wife uh, back then. She's passed away, but mm-hmm. um, I owe her my life for having the courage to kick me out that day. Yeah, that's that couldn't have too. been easy for her. Yeah, no, it probably wasn't. No, so I, I owe yeah. my life to her and my recovery to her. Mm-hmm. But there's lots wow. of other people along the way, but she, she yeah. was the she was the one who had the courage in my life to say, "You're out here." Yeah, yeah, and that does <coughs> take courage. Oh, I think yeah, so. It totally I can't does. imagine what she should she could have gone through. Yeah, yeah. You know? yeah. So it was tough for her too. Being the spouse or partner of an alcoholic is is equally mm-hmm. as horrific. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, we'll uh, that's another day. It, that, yeah, totally. Yeah. And, and I definitely would like to, to yep. have those conversations and plan on having those conversations on this show because it there, I mean, addiction does impact the entire family. It is yeah, a family. It, it uh, is a family, family disease. disease. Yeah. 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 And it is less spoken about than drug yes. addiction because yes. it's normal. I know. I know. And that's even mm. that is I'm, I'm hoping we can change the landscape on that too. But yeah. Uh, hope so. yeah. Okay. Oh, Tony, what, it is such a pleasure to have you today. Thank, Thank you. you for just so, so amazingly you articulated your story and just your sharing your experience and 
your experience, strength, and hope yeah. is really what you did today. And I'm stop it. You can make me cry. No, <laughs> and I'm so grateful. I'm I'm so grateful. I and I know you and I just met even just a short time ago, uh-huh. and I'm I'm just yeah. I just thank God that you're in my life and that we we met and yeah. And and I I hope that friendship continues. Me too. Me too, yeah. Tony. Yeah. Okay. So thank you, and I just want to thank all of our listeners. Uh, for tuning in today and I hope that uh, well I know that you guys got something out of this episode today and uh, please feel free to share this with your friends and family pass it on pay it forward Uh, you can find the podcast on Apple Podcasts Spotify um, so look for us there and uh, we'll see you again we'll see you again next week thanks everyone